0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's Word for you. Hey, lots of stuff happening. I want to get to the Word. Are you ready for the Word this morning? Amen. Hey, that's why we come. So turn to Hebrews for me. We are. Hey, this is a little sad for me because I've so enjoyed this series. We're kind of wrapping it up, tying it up this morning, and we're going to be moving on. And uh, But I have so enjoyed the last six or seven weeks. Six weeks, I guess, for me, seven, Pastor Eric, i spending time in Hebrews. I mean, you could spend a year in there and, and not exhaust. So you could spend more than that, exhaust um, all the material there. And certainly the subject of faith is one that we ought to be studying more and more and more. It is part of who we are. I mean, we are people of faith. We are a church of faith. Um, And so we need to understand what faith is because I think sometimes just because of life, life gets in the way, things happen. It's easy for us to kind of misappropriate it, misunderstand it. We look at it differently through the filter of our circumstances instead of our source. We're looking for the result instead of the relationship with Jesus. And so that's where it all comes from. He is the center of it all. So we've kind of just taken a fresh look at faith. Um, I titled my series, I Found My Faith. And so just this idea of no matter how things are happening in life, we can't lose sight of our faith and who it's based on. And so I'm going to wrap it up this morning. And so I'm going to start with Hebrews 10:39, which has been the scripture, our foundation scripture throughout the series. Let me read it for you. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to first century Hebrews, hence the name of the book. And, and they are really struggling with um, persecution and all kinds of things are happening because they said yes to Jesus. That Jesus, they've declared, is God. He is their Messiah. And so they're getting persecuted. They're getting executed. They're getting kicked out of homes and business. And so he's trying to encourage them. He says, hey, we don't shrink back, but we're of those who have faith. And preserve their souls. That you're a people of faith. And we kind of define that as being persuaded. And what kind of we did. As being persuaded. We'll get to that in just a moment. But what does it look like to believe? What does it look like to trust? And so we're going to take things from this letter again today. And look how we can apply it to our life. And understand what I believe the writer and another writer today is conveying to us. To be people of faith. So roll over one chapter Hebrews 11. Um, This is the chapter that we, the writer has taken the first century Christians and you and I back in time, back in history to look at some of their heroes, which would be some of our heroes as well, but some of the heroes of faith, if you will, and, 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 and their, their timeline in Israel. And so they would know these people better than we would, and they would have learned about them and they would have studied them. And so we're taking some time to look a little bit as well with them and we're taking these lessons of faith and see how we can apply them to our life. And today we're going to kind of wrap this chapter up. We're going to read Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 through 38. We've already studied Abraham and Moses and David and Rahab. And we talked a little bit about Enoch and a little bit about Abel. And we skipped like Noah and there's so many others, but he wraps it up this way. And this is what we're going to launch off of. So Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 through 38 writer says this, and what more shall I say for time would fail For me to tell of Gideon, there's not enough time. There's so many people, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, who we studied last week, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. What'd you do this week? Stop the mouth of lions. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. You can leave. No, I'm good. I'm going to stand for Jesus. So that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, goats and destitute, afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. What a powerful passage. But yet, if I can be honest, it doesn't really encourage me. (laughs) Hey, guess what? We're talking about church today. I'm glad you brought your friend because we're talking about being sawn in two. We're talking about being tortured and all that kind of stuff. And. When I'm looking at this list of things that the writers listing, I'm I'm not really encouraged by that. I'm, I'm I'm thinking I don't measure up. I I can't be that guy. I wish I could be that guy. I don't know I could be that guy. How's, how do they do that? I I don't know. I'd like to think, but I think put in the circumstance, I'm not really sure that I have that faith. I'm not really sure that I could be that person. I'm not, am I that dedicated, committed? Am I that resilient? I don't I don't know if I could live at that level level of commitment. And you know, when you look at the the level of faith that they're walking in. Um, I feel like they're so much better, so much more faith-filled than I am. And, and, I, and I struggle with that at times, just to be honest. And then if you, if you can, turn to the book of Jude for me. We'll get there in just a moment. But go ahead and turn there. Jude is right before Revelation. Um, we're going to look at chapter 1. <laughs> There's only one, one chapter. <laughs> but we're going to look at Jude 1. I know where it's at in that, in that book right there. And we're going to take a look at that in just a second. And, and uh, you know, I think part of relating the hard time with relating to what we just read in Hebrews, which we'll understand a little bit better when we read in Jude, is that we just don't necessarily see it happen in our life today. But I mean, I think there's other things that, that we could probably find that we wrestle with, but we don't see that severity happening in our life, that level of persecution or torture and except like how uh, i look i think about that my wife and i when we go to india we sit down with our indian brothers over there whom you support the ones that you support every month we sit down we hear the stories and and they tell us about beatings and tortures and imprisonment it's, it's real It really happens there's been missionaries over there not any of ours that we support but in the same organization been martyred and so we're hearing their stories and i and I, I find myself thinking i just i don't know if i could be that guy i mean i, I what, what's wrong with my faith how, how do i get that kind of faith and and then uh, I was having a conversation with my brother the other day, and we have a mutual friend, Jeff and Sylvia, and Jasmine and I have a mutual friend who, it's just, when you, when you see this guy, you just love this guy. I mean, when you see him, he's got this huge smile. He just has this, he's like a big teddy bear. He's got this sweet presence, and, and this guy, he's, 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 there's something about this guy, and he's really, he and his wife are really walking through a difficult time, and and so my brother's kind of filling me in on some stuff and I'm kind of filling him in on some stuff. And he shared a story with me the other day that I don't want to share the detail of it, but as I'm listening to how he's responding to this situation, I just find myself saying, I told my brother this literally, that man is a saint. I mean, how does, that, how does he do that? I mean, I don't think I could do that. I don't, the guys, how he can see positive, how he can find love and forgiveness. Why isn't he angry? Why isn't he mad? Why isn't he looking to do something? And yet this guy's just so godly. I'm just like, he's just an angel. I mean, God must've just made him special. I don't think I could do that. I and mean, how's he not getting mad? I, I get mad when someone cuts me off in traffic. How does he? Therefore, I'm mad all the time when I drive, right? It seems like, it's like, how does he do that? And, and to kind of rationalize it, it's like, well, God just must've made him special, right? He just must've. He must have wired him different. He just, God just gave him this special, extra special gift of forgiveness or grace. Well, that's not true. I mean, we all have grace extended to us and. The grace is sufficient for our time of need, right? God didn't wire him necessarily any different. He has different gifts and abilities, but his ability to operate this way is not any different than yours and I. He's doing something we're not doing. He's, He's tapping into something I'm not tapping into. They found something that they're tapping into in their faith that is enabling them to endure and to rise above these situations, and I want to be that guy. I mean, I, I, we talked about Moses, we talked about David, we talked about Abraham. I want to be that guy. And that list right there, they just listed some things off. And I, and I think, how, how can I be that guy? And then, and then you look in Jude, and let's take a look, Jude 1-3. And here's what Jude writes. And Jude is writing to the church, and he's writing to Christians. And because in that moment in time, in the church, people were coming and teaching false doctrine, and they were calling it Christianity. They were teaching, teaching another version, if you will. They were teaching a spin-off. They were teaching some other kind of thing that has been created by man that they were calling Christianity and wasn't, and people were buying into it, and then they were, they were turning this message of grace into, into something that was never meant to be, but here's what he writes in, in Jude 1, 3. Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you, listen to this phrase, to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith. That was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for the faith that's been a gift already to you. You have it in you. You need to contend for it. There's not a special gift or anything these guys are operating in. Or this person I just described. I want more of that. Well then you need to contend for the faith. And so then. Then the natural question then is. Well what's the faith? Maybe I don't really understand. What the faith is. And maybe they had a better understanding than what I did. So I need to find out. What is this all about? What is this faith that he talks about? Jude says, contend for the faith, the faith, the faith. Maybe we don't understand what the faith is. I'm not sure that I'm even contending for it. And I can't if I don't understand what the faith is. And so Jude writes this letter and and he's trying to get us to, to contend for the faith. And people were saying, this is Christianity and it's not. And people were turning... Uh, In verse four, I didn't put that on there for you, but you can write this down. In verse four, uh, they were talking about the grace of God and turning it into sensuality. It says they turn you turn the grace of God into sensuality. In other words, by living by your impulses and by your urges and by your feelings, claiming the title of Christian, but your life looks like everyone else's life. And it's because they're not contending for the faith. So our life should look different than this world's life and the life of this world but yet it's easy for us to slip into this environment because I don't think we understand the faith like they do in Hebrews, like like Jude is talking about right here. And so Judas saying, I need you to contend for the faith, not a faith, not a version of, a form of another doctrine, but the faith as God always intended it to be. So because we don't really always know what the faith is, We settle for something less that has no power to transform. We need to contend for the faith. And and I wonder if the reason why we fall into compromise so easy, myself included, is because we misunderstand or misappropriate what the faith is to begin with. And so as I believe Jude is writing about this and about this idea of the faith, I I think our struggle is where where what he's addressing in Jude When you read verse four is some people have come to just look at the faith or a faith in a way that fits their need, want, their culture, convenience. And then he's also addressing the aspect of Jesus, love, grace, and forgiveness as if that's a get out of jail free card. Right? Like like they're saying like, hey, it's the grace and love of Jesus and his grace is sufficient. He loves me no matter what. I'm forgiven no matter what. I can live however I want to live. And Jude's like, no, you got to contend for the faith. You don't get it. That's not what the faith is. So I think that's important for us in wrapping up this series. To Before we close, we we have to understand what the faith is. And I think maybe Jude is saying that if we're not careful, faith can become more of a label than a leading. Right? Are you part of that faith movement? Are you that faith gathering? Are you that community of faith? It doesn't just mean, yeah, I go to church. It doesn't mean just say, yeah, i have giving the offering. Yeah, I'm going to get baptized tonight. Yeah, I'm going to serve at the hour. It doesn't just mean that. Can I tell you this? I'm not going to be sawn in two for a label. I'm not. I'm not going to be sawn in two for a good idea. I'm not going to be sawn in two for just living to a higher moral standard. And that's a good thing. But I'm not going to be sawn in two for that. I'm not going to be sawn in two for principles or another gospel. That's not even a true gospel. You're not going to saw me in two for a good idea, right? <laughs> it's not. And in Hebrews, in Hebrews, the writer lists out lions and fire and beatings and floggings and tortures and sawed in two. Oh my! I mean, he writes all that out there. I, what's that faith? What's that kind of faith? I, do I know that faith? And so Jude says to contend for the faith. What is the faith? We think. That's something perhaps in what it really is. And so here, Hebrews people, Hebrew, the people in Hebrews were dying for the faith. Listen, I love my church, but... <laughs> I mean, the faith. What is the faith? And now we've looked at the predominant word just for a moment. Let me give you this definition again of faith. We've looked at the predominant word in the Greek for faith, and it means persuaded. It means persuaded. The word that's used more than any other word in the Greek For faith is persuaded. And we've also established the fact that you can't persuade yourself to save yourself because you can't save yourself or even be a part of that. God did all that. You have to respond to what he has done. So who does the persuading? Jesus or God does the persuading. So it's divine persuasion. So faith is, by definition, divine persuasion. When God persuades you, I have been divinely persuaded. So Jude says, I want you to contend for the divine persuasion that we need to contend for the divine persuasion now that's worth fighting for now that's worth dying for and so the question is today that are we still contending for the faith not a version a copy a label of the faith so let me tell you that faith is not a list of rules of do's and don'ts it's not just living to a higher moral standard although we should it's not a bunch of good ideas, concepts, or principles. The faith is an encounter, an encounter with a living God who persuades you like only he can. And this is the kind of faith that changes you from the inside out. It will change your appetites, wants, and desires and the direction of your life. So the question is not, the question is not what can I get away with and still be Christian? The question you ask is, how can I be more like Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith? How can I be more like him? And that's the question, because that's the essence and basis of our faith through this whole entire series. What is the faith? Well, it means divine persuasion. Let me give you three ways God persuades us. Okay, the divine persuasion, then how is he doing that? What does that mean? How do I hold on to that? What is, it, is that what we're dying for? Let me give you three ways. That God persuades us. Number one, God has given us an event to persuade us. God has given us an event to persuade us. Number two, God has come as a person to persuade us. He has come as a person to persuade us. And number three, God leads us or draws us or woos us to persuade us. God leads us to persuade us. Okay, so understand this, starting with number one. Christianity is an event. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. Christianity is an event. It is based on an event. I am persuaded that an actual event happened on this planet. I am persuaded that it was so extraordinary, so unbelievable, so beyond anything I had ever seen before. I am persuaded that the temple veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the Holy Place that was 30 feet wide and 30 feet tall and four inches thick, when Jesus died, tore from top to bottom. I am persuaded that at that moment, the earth shook. In fact, the Bible says it quaked and the stones broke. I am persuaded at 3 p.m. in the afternoon when he gave up his life, that the sun in and the sky darkened, and everything turned black. I am persuaded that graves opened up, and dead people came to life and walked into the city at that moment. I am persuaded that there was an actual event by the creator of the universe that has changed mankind forever, the course of life forever. I am persuaded. Divinely persuaded that that event changed everything. I'm persuaded. I can die for that. I am persuaded. It's an actual event. It actually happened. We aren't here today to talk about an idea. We are not here today to give good advice centered around a concept. Jesus came to earth as a baby, lived a sinless life, gave value to everyone, gave his life as a sacrifice. He was not murdered. He laid it down. He hung on a cross for six hours. He was buried in a, in a, a borrowed tomb of a rich man for three days. Uh, then, he was, and then he rose again, and, but his followers thought it was gone, it was over. And then he rose again, and hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus come uh, walking into the city with scars in his hands and a pierced side. It's an event. It happened. It's not an idea, it's an event and people have passed down the event, they have told the story. And the disciples told everyone about the event and they would go and say, "Have you heard?" I'm not I'm not here to give you good advice. I, "Have you heard?" I mean when you walk through these doors, I'm thankful for all the things that we can provide in the environment that we create, but the bottom line is, "Have you heard?" "Have you heard?" about this, divi- this event that happened actually took place. The disciples told everyone, see, Christianity is, we got a story to tell because it happened and people witnessed it, have you heard? I want you to contend for the faith. The faith is also a person. It's not a principle, it's a person. So we aren't gathered around a collection of principles, but we're gathered around a person. And this is important because principles we follow to try and feel better about ourselves or separate ourselves from others sometimes, principles are good to live by, but that's not the essence of Christianity, and that's not the essence of faith. In fact, in John 1.16, I didn't give you this, but in 16 and 17, the scripture says that we all receive from him, from Jesus, fullness of grace upon grace, for law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus... So grace is not a concept or a principle. Grace is a person. Grace is not a principle. It's a person. It's the fullness of who Jesus is. You receive from Jesus grace upon grace upon grace without end, the scripture says. And now if we don't understand this, it's really easy to fall into compromise because if you view grace as a principle and not as a person, it's a lot easier to abuse a principle than a person. So God's persuaded us because of person. Jesus came to be a sinless sacrifice and walked around with scars in his hand and a piercing in his side full of grace and love. It's not a principle, it's a person. Jesus is the fullness of grace. And principles have have their place, but divine persuasion comes from the person of Jesus Christ. And the writer in Hebrews is telling us that People don't get sawn in two for their principles. They get sawn in two for their divine persuasion. They're they're fully persuaded that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's full of grace and forgiveness. See, the faith is divine persuasion. God persuades us. It's an event, amazing, powerful event that changed the world. It's a person full of goodness and grace and love and forgiveness so when you want to be around, you want to be a part of. It. And lastly, God leads us, He persuades us by leading us. He leads us to persuade us. It's a leading, it's a it's a nudging, it's a drawing, it's a, a wooing us, it's it's an event, it's a person, it's a leading. He just doesn't leave you there. He 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 woos you and draws you in. Matthew 4 says, when Jesus would call people, and you can turn there and read it, it's when Jesus started calling the disciples, starting with Peter, and he says, you know, cast off your net, pick up and follow me. You see that when we talk about people following Jesus, you see this follow me, follow me. I love the message paraphrase. I, 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 that's enjoyable reading for me. I, I study out of it some, but the message paraphrase says it this way. It wasn't Jesus saying, follow me. It was Jesus saying, come with me. Come with me. I, I love that picture. It's Jesus saying, come with me. He persuades us, way: hey, come with me. Just a, a gentle nudging, an, an urging, a, a wooing, if you will. And Jesus says, come with me. And, Jesus says, I want you to come with me. Christianity is when you go with Jesus. But we've turned Christianity into a label, not a leading or a lifestyle. We get comfortable there. And then Jesus says, come with me. And now if you're not careful, the faith becomes, hey, Jesus, you come with me. that's what the writer of Jude is saying he's addressing that in verses 3 and 4 he's like it's not like, it's like Jesus saying, come with me but we want to flip it and say no you come with me and it's almost like Jesus saying well wait a minute do you know who I am <laughs> well yeah I mean yeah what's your point well I'm God okay come with me then God <laughs> alright it's interesting to me content for the faith Jesus I have a plan Oh, but I have a plan too. Come with me. Yeah, but will there be lions, fire, and saws? (laughs) Come with me. Are we building a life, a family, a marriage, a church that responds to Jesus nudging? Come with me. That's what I want. I want to be that guy. I want to be that family. I want to be that church. We have to go back to when Jesus began his ministry, and every time he speaks to someone, he says, "Come with me." Where are you going? Come with me. You know, interesting to me. You know, the term um, when we talk about Christ followers, the term Christian, wasn't the original term used for Christ followers, and it came later. But Christians began to give themselves a name, and they called themselves for several years the Way, or people of the Way, or hey. I'm in the way. <laughs> no, I'm just, Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that courtesy laugh on the front row. Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> but they called themselves the way they would say, I'm following the way. The term Christian was given by observers to Christians, not by Christians to Christians, Christians, when they called themselves something, they called themselves the way because they were following the way the title was the way I'm a person of the way. Now, I'm not saying that we should go back to that because that's kind of creepy, kind of cultish. <laughs> we're of the way. Okay, you can go that way then. All right, I'm out of here. I'm going his way. And that's what they were implying. I'm going his way. I'm following his way. I'm following the way. And so we can sit sometimes and think about life and the good days and the bad days. And we question, do we know the way? Do we, do we know the faith? Have we been persuaded by an actual event that happened that changed the course of mankind? Have we been persuaded by the person of Jesus full of grace and love? Have we been persuaded by by the leading? Have you felt the gentle nudge saying, come with me the way that you should go? Have you... Have you felt something inside you when you're making decisions and going different ways and doing different things and I mean, you're wanting to quit and give up like in Hebrews 10, 39 and, and, and you don't quit and, and you, something that says don't quit something says don't go that way. Don't do that again because every time you do that, every time you go that way, it leaves you empty and it's not going to be different. So come with me. Have, have you felt that? Because that's the faith. That's the faith in you and I that we feel in those moments because we feel it. We're not talking about a label, an idea. We're not talking about conforming to a pop Christianity or a pop culture or even a subculture because that's when it's been relegated. Can I tell you, Jesus is not a subculture. Everything else is secondary to him. We're, we're, we're talking about a resurrection. We're talking about a person that walked around with holes in his hands after a resurrection and a piercing in his side. I'm not giving my life to an idea, to principles, or to good advice, or to high standards, or high morals, and that's a good thing, but I'm giving my life to the faith. See, at the end of this series, which is today, I believe Jesus is saying, hey, tree of life, come with me. I will be saying, hey, Duncans, come with me. I will be saying, hey, Don, come with me. And then my natural action is, well, is it going to be good? Come with me. Is it everything I I want? Is it everything I've been dreaming, hoping for? Just, hey, come with me. Is it everything I planned? Am I going to like this? Come with me. Just come with me. And I just want to say to you today on Jesus saying to Tree of Life Church, come with me. I'm going to say to you, it's the only way we're going. It's the only way we're going to go in the midst of this crazy world, in the midst of this changing world and the, cha- the world changes all the time in the midst of a pandemic in the midst of financial crisis, in the midst of injustice, in the midst of everything that we are experiencing, elections, everything, his way is the way. And that is the way that we will go and we will contend for the faith. We will contend for the faith. We're going to follow the way you need to know that. And if I could be so bold, and I, I, I try not to be in your face at times, but there are people in here that Jesus is saying, "Come with me," and you need to yield. And you don't need me standing up here saying that because He's already persuading you. He's already nudging you. You already know that, and you've known it for a long time. And you're like, "Why well, I picked this Sunday to come?" <laughs> you need to yield. You need to surrender. You need to go with them. And you know you do. You don't need me telling you that. You need to yield today and say, okay, God. All right. See, it's time for some of you to believe that there is a God that his plan for your life is beyond your wildest dreams saying, come with me. It's time for some of you to believe that there's a God so big and so good, he's got things that you can't even imagine or dream of saying, come with me. I've got you. Just like Tracy said, I've got you. I've got you. Come with me. It's time for you to put your hand in his hand. It's time for you to turn your eyes on Jesus and look full into his wonderful face. It's time for you to trust him. It's time for you to say, wherever you're going, I'm going. Your kingdom come, your will be done, your plan and your purpose, because he's saying, come with me and some of you. you You've got to go with him. You've got to go with him. It's time. It's time. And I would say this, and I didn't plan it this way, looking at a calendar and looking at messages and leadings and looking at activities in advance. I just want to say this today on Baptism Sunday. Tonight would be a good night for you to say, I'm going your way. Tonight would be a good night for you to respond to that nudging, that leading already, his persuading, and for you to get a fresh start and get in there and saying, I'm going your way see it's not just for people that are getting saved I hope a bunch of you get saved today if you're not I hope that you get a chance it's for some of us to just say you know what you've been nudging me you've been drawing me you've been leading me for a long time you've been saying come with me and I know and I've pushed it aside and I've tried to say no no (laughs) no I've tried but in me you're drawing me and I can't get away from it and I say yes I'm gonna yield to you and you need to do that you need to contend for the faith because it's not a label it's not a concept it's not just a good idea it's an actual event that took place, that changed the course of mankind. It is a person, Jesus, full of love and grace and forgiveness. And it is a leading into the way, the path that he has for you. That's what we're fighting for. And that's what we're dying for. So that's what we say yes to. Jude says, I find it necessary, tree of life, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. And that's what we're here for.